0: So wonderful to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker. And today, uh, you'll have to pardon the mess. We have just received a shipment. Uh, Oh, move away as the uh, gentlemen are carrying these. Yes, we always have shipped in uh, periodically, usually about once a month, a delivery of industrial-sized bags of salt. Sometimes kosher salt, sometimes sea salt, whatever the market uh, allows us to afford, uh, you know, price points and all have to watch the bottom line. But uh, we always like to bring in salt, not necessarily just as a component to sell to those who might have an interest in that sort of thing, but also to ward off the evil spirits here at our own little shop. One never knows when a protective salt circle is called for. And therein lies the essence of today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new Shutter original from Black. From Black is one of those movies that I kind of heard about, but I didn't really know much about. Uh, It was one of those movies, kind of like our last movie we did on uh, Monday. We talked about the Hulu original Clock, and it's one of those movies I heard about early in the year when I was kind of doing my research as to some of the horror, fantasy, and science fiction movies coming out in 2023. So I've been looking for this. And looking forward to it because I you know black is my favorite color, and I know it sounds probably very pedestrian, very simple-minded. But anytime there is black in the name, name of a band, name of a movie, name of a character in comic books, I'm always drawn to it because, uh, much to my wife's chagrin, the vast majority of my wardrobe is black. So when I saw the name from Black, I was like, "Who? That might be cool. It's got black." In the title. I know, I'm a very simple-minded man. But at any rate, I was looking forward to this, and I don't know as if I watched the trailer. I think I watched the trailer just before I watched the movie. And uh, I kind of wish I hadn't. I kind of wish I had gone into this completely blind. Uh, I'm learning as I do this show, and I've, I've been doing Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop, this podcast for... Uh, We're we're over two years, just about two years now. Um, Yeah, just about two years. And I'm learning more and more that I I really... I think I need to start going into movies without watching any trailers. Now, sometimes there are movies out there, especially the big blockbusters, that you can't help but catch trailers for. But some of these smaller films, I think going in without any preconceived notions, probably the route to go. And I know other reviewers and other commenters on movies and TV shows try to do the same thing. That may be something I I try to do in the future. But I watched the trailer to this just before watching the movie, and it made me all the more interested. Watching the trailer wasn't a bad thing in that regard. I was like, oh, this looks like it might be pretty good. It did have its drawbacks, though, because there were a lot of things I saw in the trailer that gave away any of the real scares that might have come from the movie, and that kind of disappointed me. And I don't even know if it was because it was already revealed to me in the trailer or the fact that they just weren't that scary. But again, we'll kind of touch on all these things as we talk about this movie proper. But setting up this movie, it's about a recovering drug addict and she's in this state where she's recovered, but she still is going to meetings, not necessarily for the addiction, but she is going to meetings because she lost her son. Her son disappeared while her and her boyfriend were strung out on drugs, and she's recovered from the addiction. Or, or is recovering from the addiction, but the one thing she can't recover from is the loss of a child. And any parent who's lost a child can understand that. Any parent who has a child, you don't even have to have a child to really gravitate to, to how that must feel. I've gotten lo- loads of nephews and nieces that if if I lost any of them, I would be just as saddened and just as crushed as if I would lost a child of my own. So anyone who has an affinity for kids, I'm sure there's some uh, people out there that hate, kids and it probably wouldn't touch them but if but if you love kids if you have kids in your life whether they be your kids whether they be nephews and nieces whatever you can really attach and you can really relate to what this character is going through and the the sorrow and the and the torment that her child is missing because she was like i said all strung out on drugs and had no idea where her kid was but then she's presented with uh, an offer That will give her an opportunity to learn about what happened to her child and possibly bring him back. And then, of course, the movie really is about the price that you have to pay for those sorts of things. So, that's kind of the gist of the movie. This is one of those movies. Before we get into the spoilery section, uh, I do want to say for anyone that uh, doesn't want anything spoiled for them and and doesn't want to listen past the spoilery section, uh, I I do want to say this is a movie, it's kind of like Clock. That we talked about on Monday. I didn't hate the movie. I just didn't like the movie. I didn't, well, I I can't even say that. I didn't love the movie. Uh, This is a movie I wanted to like more than I actually did. And there is a lot to like about this movie, but there are some missteps that I just wish. uh, I don't know if it is a, a situation where I wish the story would have been different. Or I wish they would have handled the subject matter a little bit different, and we'll talk about avenues I wish they had gone down instead of the way they went with this movie that I think would have made it a little more engaging. But any of the problems I had with this movie had nothing to do with the acting. This movie uh, from Black, just like Clock that we talked about on Monday, uh, was saved by the acting. I thought the acting, much like Clock, was the acting in Clock was really good. Uh, I think the acting in this was almost as good, if not as good, uh, as Clock. And one of the the things I really did like about this movie was the acting. So we're going to get into the actors and the characters and where they fit into the story and kind of talk about the story through the lens of these characters. There aren't many, but we'll talk about that. But from here on out, there are going to be some spoilers. So if you don't want anything spoiled for you with From Black, go watch it. It's on Shutter now. I think it's at least worth a watch. Uh, it's, it's not a movie that I would say, oh, you, you'd be wasting your time. Uh, I, I'll rarely ever say that. But this is definitely a movie that you should check out for yourself and give it a watch. Come back, see what I have to say, see if you know how it compares to what you thought about the movie. If you have watched the movie or you're not sure if you're going to watch it, you don't care about spoilers, all that jazz, uh, keep on with me And we're going to talk about From Black. But from here on out, we are going to have some spoilers. Lots of spoilers. So the main character, Cora, is played by Anna Camp. And if you're not familiar with Anna Camp, she's been in various things over the years. Uh, One of the first places I was introduced to her, I can't remember if it was True Blood or if it was The Office, because she played Pam's sister in the the wedding episode of The Office, the Niagara Falls or the Niagara part one and part two where Jim and Pam got married. She played Pam's sister. I think I had already known her from True Blood by then. So uh, True Blood may have come first. But anyway, she played in True Blood as well. She played that reverend's wife and had the on-again, off-again relationship with Sookie's brother. She's also in that uh, movie. I think it's a movie. See, this shows how much I know about this. uh, But Pitch Perfect I think it's a movie. Yeah, those are movies, right? Yeah, movies. She plays in that. She's in that as well. Uh, so, you know, she, she's she been around. She's done a lot of acting. And for the most part, her characters are all kind of very all-American, blonde-haired, bubbly, happy, perky girl. She was that way in, in The Office. She was that way, kind of. I mean, she had kind of a, a more uh, <laughs> bitchy side in True Blood in some points, but uh, she kind of played that character in True Blood. Uh, I don't know anything about Pitch Perfect, but anything else I've seen her. And she is that kind of that, like I said, bubbly, perky, all-American, beautiful blonde character. And then this is, it's a real departure for what Anna Camp usually plays, which I was excited to see that. Her, she, her hair was uh, dyed. It's It's dark. She's playing a, a recovering drug addict which is not something that you see her play very often and those scenes at the beginning of the movie where she's all strung out and just the look i almost didn't recognize her at first i thought who is this oh my god that's that's anna camp and she really looked the part and and i don't know whether it's the costuming the makeup her just her deme- demeanor i think all of it kind of combined to I mean, she felt it felt like uh, a drug addict all strung out. And then when you see her later, because this movie really plays with the timeline, you start out in the present day where her sister, Cora's sister, is a cop investigating uh, something that happened at this house. Uh, She goes back to the the police station, finds her sister Cora there, and she's freaking out. And then they flash back. And then they flash back to the present. And then they flash back to the past. Then they flash back to the present. And it's back and forth the whole movie. I don't know as if that was the most effective way to tell this story. Given the fact that the flashing back and flashing forward, or, or flashing back and flashing to the present, it didn't help the storytelling at all. It didn't help with any of the big reveals. And there are some things I think they could have done that may would have made that make more sense and give the the flashing to the past and to the present a little more agency with this. But again, we'll talk about that. But we get the, the flash. Uh, it flashes forward in the past a little bit to where Cora is in recovery. She's straightened her life up. And she is in this uh, support group for people who have lost loved ones. And that's really one. the first scene where they're about to break up this meeting. And she finally opens up. We realize that she hasn't opened up at this meetings uh, at all. But she opens up and kind of does this monologue. And I'm like, oh, wow. She... She's got some acting chops. Okay. This this might not be the the Anna Camp that I have seen in a lot of these other movies. I mean that that first scene where she's a strung out drug addict Made me think, okay, she's got the look. But then I was like, oh, she, she really can play this character, I think. And I really liked her portrayal of the Cora character. She played the emotion of this mother who has lost her child. And not only lost her child, but lost her child because of her negligence. And you get scenes with her in the police station, with her and her sister, where, you know, there's always that call into question of whether she's on drugs again. And she's not. She's straight and clean. And and I'll give my thoughts on that a little bit later. But, you know, she, she played that part of a recovering addict quite well. It was quite believable. And this support group is where we get Introduced to the Abel character played by John Ailes. I mean, he's been in a ton of things. He was in that series Dead to Me. He's in that series Euphoria. Uh, he, he's done tons of various shows. You've seen him around, and he's a he's a very good actor. And and this is uh, no different. He, he plays this character so interesting because this character Abel, he's running this support group, and he comes to Cora after she opens up in group and gives her this proposition about he knows how to get her son back. And he claims that his daughter, who he's been talking about in the support group, losing her, he claims that she's back. And I like how John Ailes plays this able character because he plays him, you know, he's very supportive, very kind, very nurturing, you know, somebody that you would think would have all those qualities if they're running a support group. Uh, but then there are other times where just what he's he's asking Cora to do, the the ritual that ensues to... to Bring back her son, whether it's real or not. He's just very weird about it. Very not very forthcoming about it. He's not sinister in a mustache twirling way, but he is very. He's hiding something, and he he plays that so well. And, and then when kind of things come to a head, the panic in him lets loose, and the the anger that that panic produces lets loose, and. He does a really good job. And, and I talked about this with the Clock movie that the acting really saved that movie for me. And, and the performance of these two characters, uh, these two actors, uh, Anna Camp and John Ailes, are what saved this movie for me and made what uh, was in a lot of senses. I, I've heard a lot of people say it's slow burn. It uh, definitely is slow burn. But at times it was a, a little bit boring. And the only thing that really saved those boring moments is the performance of these two actors who really kept me engaged enough to to stick with this movie. Then, of course, you have a couple other uh, secondary characters. There's Jennifer LaFleur. She plays Bray. She's Cora's older sister. She's the cop investigating the incident at the house. Um, we we find her, the first scene in the movie, she's going into this house, which turns out to be her and Cora's mother's old house that Cora had kind of taken up residence in after she, she got clean. And there's all sorts of, you know, there's this salt circle, there's all these weird sigils uh, drawn all over the floor, there's blood in, in multiple locations, and it looks like a bloodbath has ensued at this place, her, her mother's home and we get to see her talking with Cora for the bulk of this movie where it's set in the present day trying to get this story out of Cora as to what actually happened and for as much as you don't get a lot from Jennifer LaFleur in this I thought what she did have to do in this I thought she was really good there were some scenes with her and Cora that were were pretty impactful and pretty powerful when when those two are going back and forth as sisters who, you know, one of them's going through a horrible uh, ordeal and the other one's trying to figure out what went on. It got very intense. There's the other character, Wyatt, played by Travis Hammer, who is... Cora's former boyfriend and and her essentially her dealer. He's the one that's getting her the drugs, and that's who she's all strung out with when her son disappears. And well, while the performance of this character is very uh, stereotypical drug addict. He does a good job with it. It's a believable job. It's not any new take on this type of character. But then, you know, the Jennifer LaFleur and uh, Travis Hammer characters, Bray and Wyatt, they have a scene together that gets very heated and intense. And just the back and forth between these two actors as these two characters was just really good. And, and, you know, it kind of had you on your seat a little bit as to what's going to happen. So as as minor characters that didn't have a huge part to play in this movie, uh, they both did an excellent job. But for the most part, for this movie, uh, it really is the setup and the execution of this ritual that Abel is putting Cora through. And while that was interesting it did kind of drag out. And unfortunately, there weren't very many scary scenes. There were some scenes that they tried to add some atmosphere and some creepiness. Uh, there's this scene where Cor goes through this purification ritual where she cleans herself in in salt water, and then she's standing in this salt circle, and uh, they're, they're chanting things together. Abel turns around and then turns back, and she's kind of floating there. Uh, you know, it's a it's a scene we've seen before. And it wasn't terribly shocking. To their credit, they didn't do some big jump scare. Bang, here's a loud noise and jump cut to something disturbing. They held back on that. But I don't even think that would have made it scary. <laughs> that wouldn't have been a good jump scare because it wasn't scary. And, and ultimately, because you saw that in the trailer, it wasn't that surprising either. There were a couple scenes where... Whether it's in visions or in reality, you have scenes with Cora and this this wispy, uh, dark image that's kind of behind her. It was creepy to a degree, but it wasn't that scary at all. Uh, and I was, I was like, ah, I, I wish it would have been scarier. There's a couple dream sequences where she's dreaming about her son, and you know, you get. You get scenes where, you know, a lot of stuff that's in the trailer, which I I hate modern trailer composition because they give away anything that would be scary or interesting and and you've already seen it uh the bit where the clawed hands are on the shoulders of her son pulling him into the darkness of a closet alluding to what happened to the kid she has visions of this horned creature that this demon that we we do end up getting to see later on in the movie and and i will say that i i really did like the creature design on this demon we'll we'll get into that a little bit later but ultimately it just it wasn't used well as far as scares it created a little bit of atmosphere it was a little bit creepy but i don't know there was just something about it i was like oh, okay uh, that's cool it just wasn't that scary now there was one scene that was really good uh because there is this quasi revelation as this movie goes on that the able character has something inside of him that he is trying to transfer into Cora. That's what this whole ritual is about. And, and we'll get into the spelling it out in a little bit. But there's this scene where Abel's inside this salt circle and he's coughing up like little bones. And it's just, it's it's kind of creepy. But then you see him stand up and Cora's and walking down the hall out of this room. and And behind her, you can see it's, not quite silhouetted you can still make out uh things with with the able character but all of a sudden you see this dark shadowy hand come out of his mouth and almost like it's trying to claw its way out of him and that was probably one of the most legit creepy scary like oh god moments in this movie and and i really liked that that was one of the most scary parts of this movie i thought but that is what this movie is ultimately leading towards Uh, the essential gist of this is that there is this demon inside of abel and it's inside of him because he used this demon's power to get his daughter back and for him to be able to see his daughter And be able to live happily ever after or or what have you i don't know if that's necessarily how it was going to turn out uh but he has to pass this on to somebody else so he's passing it on to cora who in order to get her son back, she has to take on this demon inside of her, become its vessel uh, as payment for for bringing her son back. Just like Abel had to take on this demon as its vessel to bring his daughter back. And all the while, you know, he's essentially grooming Cora in this support group setting uh, because he knew she was was she was fragile enough. She wanted she was in in as much pain as she was because of the loss of her son. And he could tell that she would do anything to get him back. So here she's, she's going through all this ritualistic stuff thinking it's going to be to be able to get her son back and not realizing that there's a steep price that she would have to pay. And when it comes time, when the, when the bill comes due and they do in that sort of dream sequence, other plane of existence sequence in the field where abel is trying to get her to eat the the bits of goat and drink the blood and she doesn't go through with that and then the anger of of oh my god you're screwing this up for me was just it it wasn't uh, for for being part of the climax It was climactic in a way, but it was a climax that didn't draw any closure because then we go on for a little bit longer and then we get the quasi. It was almost like a a climax in two parts and neither one were very climactic because we go back to present day where Cora, you know, she called the police after the whole thing with Abel in the in the salt circle. And I, I, I guess it never really does explain what happened to his body. Uh, but he's gone. She calls the cops. The cops come and arrest her. And because there's all that blood, obviously somebody met their untimely end. And she's in the jail cell as her sister is off. Kind of the scene we saw earlier, where she's checking out the house and and seeing all the ritualistic stuff. And she's cornered by this demon, and she accepts the demon's terms and takes in the demon as. Her son shows up in the closet we saw earlier with Bray, Cora's older sister. So essentially, she took this demon in. Her son came back, but now she's—you uh, can't say she's gone because Abel had this demon in him and was very much himself. But she is going to have to find somebody to pass this this demon onto before she can live a, a full life. Maybe with her son. Uh, it, it, the ending is left a little too open for my liking. I like open-ended endings, but but this was a little too open for for me. So ultimately, yeah, I, I it's one of those movies where I didn't mind it, I didn't hate it, uh, but I didn't like it as much as I wanted to. I thought the acting was really good. I thought the idea was really good. Of course, this is written by Thomas Marchese and Jessup Flower and directed by Thomas Marchese. And I, I thought... The, the story was a good idea. I, I liked the idea of the story. I just think in the execution of this story and the storytelling, I just think there were some things that they could have done to make it a little more engaging. As far as the direction goes, I thought it was directed really well. Cinematography, I, I thought there were some really stunning shots. I think that was a, another thing that kept me engaged because the acting I thought was very engaging and I thought the direction, the cinematography and the overall look at the film was really good even the special effects I thought were really good like I said there were some some really good effect scenes like I said the the shadowy hands coming out of Abel's mouth even the wispy apparitions that were walking you know behind Cora and things like that uh, well it wasn't as creepy as I think it was intended to be. I think it was really good looking and I think any creepiness that I got out of it which was not as much as I was hoping for but any creepiness I got from that uh, it was because of the look of it was all really good the look of the uh, demon itself the, the horns and the the eyes missing and the the face I just it was it was creepy and again very much an aspect of the movie that made it creepier than it felt most of the time with this there was also the that that one dream sequence that Cora had where you see what happened to her son her son was abducted by this skeevy old guy and and pulled into a van and and god knows what happened to that poor kid but uh, that was I mean for not being a monster well not your not the typical monster not a demon uh, creature that goes bump in the night sort of monster, a different kind of realistic monster. Uh, that scene was very chilling. Uh, this kid running away after getting out of this van and the guy coming in and pulling him back in was just kind of creepy and and. Disturbing and scary on a different level. So all in all, there was a lot I really liked about this. The acting, the look, the direction. I think the only thing that really was a misstep for me was not the idea, because I like that, but the storytelling in and of itself. I think as much as I enjoyed Anna Camp's performance, I think the character of Cora would have been better served if we were a little more in doubt of her sobriety and made this a little more of a is she isn't she back on drugs and they play this throughout this whole thing everyone questions it but she you know we know we watch it we see that one scene where she's looking at the the spoon and and thinking about taking drugs again but she doesn't and we never really have any doubt as the fact that she is she's clean and sober and she's on the straight and narrow and I think if they would have played into the, is she or isn't she? Because then then she becomes an unreliable narrator and everything that's happening, we don't know if it's real or if it's not. We don't know if it's a figment of her imagination and she did something horrible or if it is actually this demon. Uh, the way it's played out, it's all played straight up. She's clean and sober. This is a demon. This is, you know... What it says it is. And there really leaves no room for doubt and no room to to question what we're seeing. If you're not going to go the is she or is she on drugs again, you could play into addiction of another sort. You know, she becomes addicted to the idea of getting her son back. She becomes addicted to this, this ritual and, and trying to bring her son back and and kind of falling back into those old addictive behaviors. Maybe she's not on drugs, but an addiction of another kind that she starts to feel like an unreliable narrator and that you don't know if if she did something horrible just to try and get her son back, whether it was real or not, and play it that way, I think would have been interesting. I think they could have played into the addiction aspect in, in a couple different ways, or, or maybe both of those ways combined, who knows. But I, I think they could have played into that more and Uh, made some of the aspects of this maybe a metaphor for addiction. I think that would have been a little more interesting. I also really wish they would have worked on the atmosphere because you had some really good effects, uh, really good special effects and visual effects, some really good practical stuff and some really good CG stuff. And, And a movie like this, you don't always get really good CG. And I thought the CG was pretty good along with the practical stuff. I just wish they would have paid a little more attention to creating the atmosphere, creating the tension, creating the suspense. Uh, creating the dread. I never really felt much dread throughout all of this. The core character, for as much as I know she wants her son back, I don't really get many scenes where you know there's a, a toll being taken on her not getting her son back and and going through this this ritual and things not happening fast. I just never really got any sense of urgency from that, and I think that's where I I, I wish. Uh, things would have been done a little different in the story. And like I said, you kind of had a, a bit of a climax when Korra doesn't drink that blood and it screws up Abel's uh, ritual, but then it all just goes to the present day. I, I, I believe that's how it goes down. And then you get that little bit of a, a climax where Korra relents and decides to let this demon use her as a vessel so her son will come back. And there again, it's it's touching uh, because of the line she says it's a line she said to her son you know that we saw a flashback of but it just didn't really feel like it had any real weight as a climax and then like i said it really left it open-ended because abel seemed to really be able to uh, function normally with this demon inside him there never really felt like any ill effects to that other than the fact that he had to pass it on to somebody else uh, you really don't get the sense that she's not going to see her son again someday if she does it right. Unlike Abel. Uh, I don't know. I just, it, it really felt too open-ended because I'm like, Oh, okay. She'll probably get to see her son. Uh, they make it seem like she sacrifices herself to get her son back, but it never really feels like a sacrifice because we just watched Abel uh, living a regular, normal life. And why wouldn't she be able to, An interesting route I think I would have liked to have seen them do. If you're not going to make the Korra taking on the demon any real sacrifice, because it never really feels like a real sacrifice that she's making, have it be a situation. Play into the whole, you know, she's traded one addiction for another. She's uh, traded her addiction to drugs to the addiction of getting her son back. And people who are addicted, they betray their family in all sorts of different ways have it set up to where Cora takes her sister back to the house. This ruse of going to the, the police station was all to get her sister back to the house. And in some way performs the ritual with her sister and then passes this demon on to her and and her sister's kind of stuck with it kind of betrays her sister that way and that way you get a little bit of a weight to the ending of what she's done to her sister all in the name of getting her son back feeding this new addiction and the tragedy of the betrayal between one sister to another that to me would have had more weight it would have had more consequence as an ending so all in all like i said uh not a bad movie uh definitely worth a watch i I would give it a watch uh you may like it i know there are some people out there that thinks this is the greatest thing since sliced bread and this is this is bringing horror back i I i wouldn't go that far uh but it's not a bad movie it's just a movie I, I wanted to like more than I actually did. And what I did like about it was pretty much the whole thing, except for just the the story decisions that they made and some of the storytelling devices that they used. I, I kind of wish some of those were done a little differently. I wish there would have been a little more attention paid to creating dread, and creating atmosphere, and creating tension. Uh, There wasn't enough of that. Even for a slow burn, there wasn't really any of that. My only real critique of this. So, uh, check it out for yourself. See what you think. From Black on Shudder, uh, a pretty good movie. Uh, I think, like I said, it's at least worth a watch because it's not bad. So check it out for yourself. I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on from black. Check out more that's going on with odds. Bodkin's curiosity shop on our Facebook page. You can also uh, see trailers to the latest movies and TV series, always sharing articles from all over the internet that I find on horror, fantasy, and science fiction. I like to add my two cents as well. You can find us on Instagram and no matter where you listen to this podcast, please leave a review five stars. would be awesome. And follow us subscribe, like it, whatever you're going to do, and, and share the podcast with anyone that you know that loves horror fantasy and science fiction. So until next time Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop Ha ha ha